Good morning, church family and faith community. Welcome. Glad you're a part of this online service. I missed being with you last week in this context, but I'm so grateful you could hear from our mission partner, Julia Wallace. Uh, we were so grateful and blessed to have her with us. And I'm, I'm glad to be with you today. I'm excited about studying God's truths together and, and reacquainting uh, ourselves with some verses that I think you'll recognize. But certainly I pray they come across fresh and new today. As we enter into a conversation that becomes vital. In fact, if you have close to you your smartphone, look at that device for just a moment. And I have an announcement to make about your smartphone. Your smartphone becomes an amazing distraction to what matters most. Now, I know a lot of us get that already, but this becomes a truth that actually has scientific proof, or I should say, research backing that reality, that our smartphones can be a distraction to our thoughts. In fact, a cognitive psychologist, Adrian Ward, from the University of Texas in Austin, Texas, uh, presented a study in 2015 where 166 students were given the opportunity to be involved in some type of cognitive activity. And then their reaction to their own cell phone ringing proved that their thoughts were woefully distracted and their minds distracted from the task at hand. In fact, Ward's research revealed that the work quality and the focus and attention became very, very sloppy when the participant heard their own cell phone simply ringing. So that proves something that most of us may have already understood in this decade of of technology, we, we are woefully distracted by the culture around us. Our thoughts and our minds become easily distracted with our surrounding. And that obviously was proven by this research concerning our, our smartphones. So today I welcome you into a time of study in God's Word where we are reacquainted with a very simple fact coming from the scripture. Today we are reacquainted with the fact that God truly cares about our minds. God himself is interested and, and is very, very concerned with our, our thoughts, the productivity of our, of our mind. The, the personhood of an individual, as described in the Bible, references a, a trichotomy, if you will. Simply stated, uh, one's personhood, as de defined in the Bible, references body, soul, and spirit. The soul, the spirit, references the inner man. The soul, particularly as expressed in the Bible, can reference one's mind, thoughts, one's will, and certainly one's emotion. This is why in the scripture, uh, the mind can be used interchangeably with one's spiritual heart or one's true self. So God 
is very interested in who you truly are. And a part of that soul, if you will, references your mind, the place of your thoughts. Now, certainly God cares for your ability to learn. God cares about your cognizant activity. In fact, the scripture reminds us that we should study to show ourselves approved. So God certainly becomes interested in how we learn. God also becomes interested in our neurological physiology. God cares about our whole health, including the health of our brain. But uh, regardless of our cognizant or our physical condition concerning our brain, God more emphatically and more intensely cares about the health of our mind, our true inner self, that part of our soul that thinks and draws conclusions and, and has thoughts. In fact, our thoughts strongly indicate our actions. And this is how God has designed us. And this is why God truly cares about our thoughts, because our thoughts truly condition our soul, and our soul can direct our actions. Our mind and our will and our emotions can determine what we do. If our thoughts are off, then our life will be off. If our thoughts are not truly upon the Lord, then our actions will most definitely follow. The scripture reminds us that that which a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Uh, We're reminded that our mind and heart becomes used interchangeably as that place, that seedbed, if you will, of our thoughts that govern our actions. So our inner man, our soul becomes very important. Jesus once said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, do not be fearful of man who can kill the body, but not the soul. Jesus' words delineated out the importance of one's soul to God. And so today we're reminded of how vital our thoughts become to who we are as individuals. The mind truly matters. I'd like to ask you to consider this simple question. What is on your mind? What actually consumes your mind at this moment? And why does this matter to God? Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 reminds us to think on these things, to quote the verse verbatim, that matter most to God. Think on these things, the scripture reminds us. And so, for just a moment, will you join me in in answering this question? What is actually on our mind and And why does this matter? I'd like to share with you five specific verses from God's word that will help us to answer this question. What is on our mind and why does this truly matter to Jesus, to God? If we are followers of Christ, then certainly it becomes very necessary for us to consider what is on our minds. So I'd like to share five specific verses with you. Some of these verses you will find familiar. Some you might hear afresh and and new. But from these five verses, I'd like to share with you five appraisals of our 
thought life. Our mind truly matters. And so let's look inside God's word at five specific appraisals of our thought life. We'll see this from God's perspective and we'll see this from the emphasis of faith. Why does the condition of the mind matter to a follower of Jesus, to a person of faith? Well, we will discover this over the next few moments. The first verse that we give attention to comes from Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And in Philippians 4, 8, we hear these words, Finally, brothers, Paul is speaking to the church, to Christians. Uh, the first century pastor, the beloved leader of the first church, the Apostle Paul, spoke these words into the life of the church. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable of a good report, if there's any excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, what does Paul say? Think on these things. The word for think there actually indicates that your mind dwells upon a particular thought or upon a particular issue. And so first, let's take the idea of a test concerning our thoughts. Of these five appraisals, the first appraisal has to do with the simple analogy of a test. A test of our thoughts becomes the the way that Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 should be applied to our lives. We know this because when Paul said, think on these things, the very last phrase of Philippians 4, 8, again, the word think references a focus, but also references taking into an account as if someone were tallying up specific items to find a sum total. And so Paul writes, take these things into account. Allow these things to be your focus. Use these accounted specifics that God desires in your thoughts to test where your mind is at the moment. So here is a test of our thoughts. And I'll give you several, several parts of this test from Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. So Paul, write, think, Paul wrote, think on these things. What are these things? What are these tests of our thoughts? First... Paul wrote, whatever is true. The idea of true here actually references the opposite of a falsehood. Not simply a lie, but actually that which is fake or false. Paul wrote to the first church, whatever is true, whatever references that good and perfect truth that absolutely has no element of being wrong or false. Paul said, whatever is absolutely and perfectly true, think on these things. Paul warns the believer not to allow their minds to go to some thought that may not be confirmed as true. In our present day, we find the task so easy to simply grasp the next soundbite that comes across the airwaves. Paul would say to us today, don't grab every thought, comment, or expression as something that is trustworthy or true. Paul said, only think on what is true. Do not give in to any element of falsehood. I love the verse from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, that reminds us to lay aside all falsehood. 
That word falsehood from the Ephesians passage actually comes from the Greek word pseudos, from where we derive our term pseudo, meaning that which is fake. If someone states that a person has a pseudo faith, then the, the implication would be from the prefix pseudo, they have a, an, an artificial faith, a, a false expression, something that actually is not true. So when Paul said, think on what is true, Paul means that which is true, which reflects all of God's nature and all of his ways and his word and his will. Paul writes, think upon that, not upon some pseudo truth that may come across the cultural airways around you. So think on what is true. That's the first test. Does your mind dwell upon what is absolute God's way, God's will, and God's word? Is that where your mind dwells? Well, that's the first test. Here's the second test. Whatever is honorable. The, the word from where we derive honorable can mean that which is not at a loss for dignity. That which has motives and manners that become very much in line with the nature and person of God, and in this context, the nature and person of Jesus. In fact, this is a good time to remind ourselves from the context of Philippians 4, the emphasis truly is upon one's relationship with Christ. We're reading from verse 8, but in verse 7 and in verse 9, the idea of peace it becomes very clearly represented. And the idea of peace in this context represents that reconciliation, that right standing we have with God because of Jesus and our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. And so the emphasis of what is true and here what is honorable references one's peace with God through Jesus Christ. What is honorable can actually reference the, the idea of Christian integrity, that which in, in manner and motives represents the dignity of a life that truly follows Jesus. Do your thoughts reference that which is honorable concerning our right standing with God in Jesus Christ? Do our thoughts measure well with the person of Jesus. Now, I know that we can be uh, encouraged and disciplined to have our outside actions speak well of Jesus. But Paul writes, think in your mind upon that which is honorable. Our minds and our thoughts become the most elusive and the most uh, hidden piece of our expression of commitment or lack thereof. Our mind and our thoughts become the most secret part of who we truly are. And Paul writes, deep down in the true self, your soul, in your mind, concerning your thoughts, are you thinking on what is honorable concerning who Jesus is? Here's a second test. Whatever is right. Now, I love this term in the Greek whatever is right, because the idea emphasizes without compromise. Now, one might look at an outward display of faith and conclude that person uh, seems to live committed to God. They seem to have a strong faith with no compromise. Paul would write, more than simply acting out your faith in what you do and say, in your mind, have you compromised the right standing with God and with others? 
You know, in the Greek culture, this very word that we derive our idea of rightness actually meant in harmony with others. So in your mind, are you thinking on things that reference your right standing with God and your right standing with others? If someone could see your thoughts display, would your thoughts support living honorable to God, living right with God, and would your thoughts convey that you are desirous of living right with others. Well, there's a a fourth test. Whatever is pure. So uh, the first appraisal of our thoughts is uh, our thoughts are tested by God's truth. Whatever is true, honorable, right, and then pure. And the idea of pure actually references that that which is virtuous and faithful. Again, Paul would say, in your thoughts, may your thoughts be seen just as faithful as your outside actions and your outside words, may your thoughts resonate a deep chasteness and virtuousness and faithfulness to Jesus. In the, in the inner recesses of your soul, your mind, do your thoughts resonate that virtuous, chaste, pure commitment to Jesus Christ? Here's the the next test. Whatever is lovely. The idea of lovely actually can reference that which is pleasing and nice. Now, I know our parents have said when we were young and playing with siblings or friends, now you be nice to each other. Do you remember your parents saying something similar to this? Well, Paul would raise that standard to remind us it's not just be nice to each other. Paul would say, Think nice about one another. Wow, this is, this is heavy and convicting. Do our thoughts resonate the niceness and the acceptance of others that we sometimes pretend to have on the outside? We shake a hand, we smile at someone, but do our thoughts resonate that same attitude? Paul would say, whatever is lovely, whatever is nice and in keeping with your Christ-like love for others. Think on these things. Don't allow play acting or hypocrisy to be a part of your life. The, the scripture uh, gives us the admonition, lay aside all hypocrisy. And so Paul would say, just as you act pleasant on the outside, may your thoughts, may your mind give that same presentation. Paul would say, whatever is lovely. And then Paul would give as a final measure of our thoughts, uh, measured against God's word, whatever is of a good report, whatever would be of good repute or of a good assessment. The opposite of this, believe it or not, could be simply defined with a spirit of grumbling. So do our thoughts think of good reports toward others? Or in our thoughts, do we grumble? And sometimes we grumble outwardly and very overtly. But at times there may be a pleasant spirit on the outside while inside we're, we're grumbling. Paul would say, that's not a healthy mind. And God loves us so much. Jesus cares about our lives so much that the, the, uh, encouragement we receive from God's word is not just to polish up the exterior of our lives, but to have our minds our thoughts completely in tune 
with God. Now notice the very end of Philippians 4.8. We hear these words almost in a summary fashion. Whatever is, is commendable, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy, Think on these things. The word excellent actually means excellent character. The word praiseworthy actually indicates a life that is commendable before God. So whatever would resonate a, a character that honors God and stands commendable before God, think on those things. So the, the first appraisal of our thought life becomes referenced in this testing of our thoughts from Philippians 4, 8. But second, here is a, another appraisal that I think you'll, you'll find encouraging, but also very convicting. The source and significance of our thoughts. We have first looked at how our thoughts are tested by God's word. But now consider this appraisal of our source and, and our significance concerning thoughts. Our thoughts have a unique source. They come from a unique place. And our thoughts become very significant. For this, we turn to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. In Proverbs 4, 23, we read these words. Guard your heart, or translated, guard your mind, because from it flows all of life. Guard your heart, your mind, for from it flows fountains of life. Now, in the Old Testament, the physiology of the brain was not referenced. So the Hebrew culture emphasized the heart, that that center place of intellectual activity and will. Therefore, the heart was used interchangeably with one's mind. And so Philippians 4.23 reminds us to guard our minds. Why? Because from our minds, our spiritual heart, our inner self or our soul, from that place comes a wellspring of life. So herein is the indication that we referenced earlier. Our mind, our, our, our true self within our soul, our mind dictates how we live. From your heart or your mind comes the wellspring of life. Life becomes indicated from the condition of one's Mind. This references the significance. And the source, again, comes from who we truly are deep within. This is why in Matthew 15, verse 18, we are reminded that what comes out of the heart, the thoughts of man, are what defile a man. This becomes the truth that Jesus actually spoke. What comes from the heart or the mind of a man? What comes in the form of our thoughts will be what defiles us. Not what we put into our stomach, but what comes out of our mind and our thoughts. And so, yes, our thoughts are significant because they come from who we truly are, from our, our, our true condition. And so this becomes the second appraisal of our, of our thoughts. Well, here's a third appraisal. The problem with our thoughts We've had our thoughts tested, whatever is good, honorable, pure, whatever is of a good report. Think on these things. And we've also seen the source and significance of our thoughts. Uh, guard your mind, because from it flows the wellspring of life. But now we focus for just a moment 
on the problem with our thoughts. And for this, we turn to Proverbs chapter 28, verse 26. In Proverbs 28, verse 26, this is what we read. The one who trusts in his mind is a fool, but one who walks in wisdom will be safe. The one who trusts in his own thoughts, the one who trusts in his own mind is a fool. This references an application that seems very harsh, especially for one who feels that he or she has a right to think for themselves and to come up with their own conclusions about life and to follow their own inclinations and their own wisdom. But the scripture actually says the one who gives in to his own thoughts is considered a fool. One who has no direction, one who has no understanding, all becomes referenced in this idea of one who is a fool. So our inclination to be self-sufficient in our own thoughts stands woefully corrected here. This proverb actually stands against false subjectivity. We feel that we know best and, and our thoughts uh, are, are, are more valuable than any other truth that might be spoken into our life. That becomes a very dangerous, false subjectivity. And so the Word of God reminds us there is a problem. And the problem stands very systemic in all of mankind. And the problem is that we think as a natural man in and of ourselves, unless we have the direction and the control of God's presence, Within us. And so if we trust our own personal inclinations, the result becomes disastrous and, and, and destructive. Hence the proverb, the one who trusted himself is a fool. But, but please know that this proverb doesn't just stand as giving a simple fact because the actual literature of the proverbs, especially seen here in verse 26, references an antithetical parallelism. I know that's a big uh, mouthful, but basically speaking, this uh, parallelism is antith antithetical, meaning part one references that which is negative, part two, that which is right. So the, the proverb actually states, Solomon actually proclaimed, the one who trusts in himself is a fool. And there may be those who would argue and say, no, I can think for myself. I don't want someone controlling my thoughts. But don't define part one with part one, look at part two, the other part of this parallelism. The one who trusted himself is a fool, but the one who walks in the wisdom of God will be safe. So while you and I may think that we should think for ourselves, Proverbs actually says, why would you depend upon that when you have at your source God's wisdom? God makes his wisdom known to you if you'll but ask and, and receive that wisdom. So anyone who would fall to his or her own way compared to God's wisdom would certainly be a fool. That would be a foolish step to take. So the problem with our thoughts would be that our thoughts are not reliable. Our thoughts are, are vain and that they will lead us to destruction, especially when we can live by the wisdom of God. The, the scripture reminds us if we lack wisdom, let's ask of God who gives generously with without prejudice so god will give you and will offer you his wisdom if we will but open our hearts to his teaching and his truth and certainly the problem with our thoughts is that they are indeed foolish especially 
in the shadow of God's wisdom. So that becomes a third appraisal. Now here's a fourth appraisal concerning our thought life. The direction of our thoughts. Now for this we turn to a familiar verse that I absolutely love. This verse is so comforting. From the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, this is what we read. You will keep in perfect peace the mind that is set upon you. Oh, dear friend, hear these words. God will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is set upon him. Now, I love the context of of Isaiah chapter 26. Reading as far back as chapter 24, what we see displayed here is the beautiful promise of the new Jerusalem. In fact, as chapter 26 opens in Isaiah, verses 1 through 4, read like a song resonating the joy and peace of the coming new city, the new Jerusalem, when all things will be destroyed. From God's perspective, there will exist peace and a sure defense for the new Jerusalem. On the side of his children, the perspective is trust and confidence. The word trust there actually means to lean. So hear these words again. You will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind leans on what you have promised. You see, I love this idea of, of leaning because the emphasis rests upon that which is to come. So God's reminding us in his word, we will have his peace. We will have his, his calm and his presence to take away the chaos and the worry and the anxiety. If our minds and our thoughts will lean toward what he has promised, this stands counter to you and I always turning to the failures of the past. All oh, the past can be a dangerous uh, source of bondage and, and captivity and God's word reminds us that if we will not look at the past and let go of that and, and not even become too, uh, too bogged down in the present of all that we see around us that, that at times seems so discouraging and debilitating. And if we would just look and lean forward to what God has promised, he will bring to our minds his peace. And this becomes such an amazing promise for you and for me. Now, a final appraisal of this uh, amazing topic from the scriptures that our mind truly matters, our thoughts matter. The final appraisal is this, the genuineness of our thoughts. Each of these verses have been so instrumental in my own life concerning my own personal thought life, but none so instrumental as this final reference, Matthew 22, verse 37. I know that you will recognize this very clearly, not just from Matthew, but from Deuteronomy chapter 6 as well. This is called in the, in the Hebrew context, the Shema, because of the word listen. Now, now, hear what God has said. Jesus quotes this in Matthew 22, verse 37, uh, from Deuteronomy, hear, O Israel. And then Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Now, listen to how Jesus termed this next statement, with all your mind. Jesus speaks into the life of the Pharisees who were attempting to trap Jesus in some incongruency or, or contradiction with the law. 
They ask, which is the greatest law? Jesus summed it all up with two. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. But notice how he described our love for God, our love for the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Jesus moved quickly to the heart of the matter. And Jesus emphasized the genuineness of one's thoughts being so important to one who walks by faith in Jesus Christ. The genuineness of our thoughts becomes the most significant appraisal of the health of our mind, the condition of our thoughts. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your mind, that inner self, your soul, not just with a perfunctory of religion, for this is what truly characterized the Pharisees. And Jesus said, don't just love God with your phylacteries, the 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 scripture that you physically wore. Don't just love God with your uh, ordainment and your and your presentation of ceremonies. Love God with all your soul, with your mind. If you were to to audit your thoughts over the last twenty four hours, would your thoughts conclusively say, "I am loving God with all that I am"? Jesus said, "Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul." with all of your mind. This becomes a beautiful reminder that our focus must be upon His truth, His way, and His purpose. What I love about these five appraisals from five different scriptures is that that they all point to the simple truth that our thoughts matter. Our our mind matters. We, We can't have thoughts that that, that contradict God and just move on as if those thoughts do not matter. They, they truly matter. Proven in that research from, from the University of Texas that our, our cell phones distract our minds and what we were working on becomes sloppy. This becomes a great reminder of how the enemy, Satan himself, desires to distract our minds. Taking our minds somewhere where they should not go. So that how we are living by faith becomes sloppy and, and, and disoriented and not focused on Jesus. Oh, how we need to focus on the truth of Christ. And not simply admire the truth, but truly focus upon Jesus. That becomes our calling. That becomes the calling of our thoughts and our mind. I love how that old Danish theologian and philosopher Soren Kierkegaard summarized this. If you have any knowledge at all of of human nature, you know that those who only admire the truth will, when danger appears, become traitors. The admirer is infatuated with the false security of something that is great. Admiring the truth instead of following it is just as dubious a fire as the fire of a false erotic love. Oh, how incredibly important it becomes that we not simply admire the truth of God from a distance, but that we allow our thoughts, our soul, our mind to rest heavily upon Jesus and upon the truth of God as we desire to follow Jesus and not just to admire him from a distance. Oh, there's great danger when we only follow after Jesus with some 
a superficial expression of emotion or activity. Oh, may our minds, may our hearts truly pursue Jesus because, yes, the, the mind matters. Remember that the scripture describes your soul as the heart, the center of you, which involves your mind, your will, and your emotions. May your mind, that place of your thoughts, truly honor Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, reminding us that our, our thoughts matter to you. Help us not to have vain thoughts. Help us not to allow our minds to go somewhere where they should not. But Lord, we know that if our minds and our thoughts go to places that are wrong, then destruction comes. Lord, this is such an incredibly difficult challenge because our minds are, are secret. Our thoughts seem so secretive. But Father, help us to know and remember that you see our thoughts and you judge our thoughts. In fact, uh, the psalmist said in your holy word, Psalm 139, you see our thoughts from afar. So Father, may, may we pray as David did in Psalm 139, verse 23. Lord, search our hearts and know our thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in us. God, we, we want to surrender our minds to you. Yes, our bodies. But God, we want to surrender our soul, our minds to you so that our thoughts are honoring and that we're not led astray by, by thoughts that are impure or wrong. Thank you, God, for teaching us this today. Help us to respond by faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And together we said, amen. Hey, thanks for being a part of this day. If you, if you need to respond to this uh, truth, to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, not just with your mind, but with your heart and your whole being, check out this website location. We'll be right back in touch with you. Please reach out. We want to hear from you. We're, we're so interested in, in you walking by faith in Jesus and not just by sight or by what the world tells us. May your thoughts rest upon Jesus and not upon this culture and not upon ourselves. Love you a lot. See you soon. Join us next week as we go deeper into this understanding that our mind truly matters. And we'll discover what it, what it actually means to have the mind of Christ. I look forward to that teaching. See you next Sunday. God bless.